0: It's Monday, Yudbet Tishrei Ayin Ayandala, the 12th day in the month of Tishrei 5774. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <speaking in Hebrew>
1: Assha ki shaiga, męskapa, alohashwa. Aż nosa, tisha, męskapa,
2: alohaswa. Ala kot byta litwa gór, ala kimitkaria w shelta. Ale i się amu, atem lo tahu, tan golani, dolani, low
1: al banay shabab atay lo ta'abou gangora The world a world, a world, a world, a world, a world,
2: i
0: the more popular songs from the um, Yom Kippur War period, Al Shloshapish also known as Atem Lo brought to you by the Tsever Havai Chativat Golani, the Golani Brigade's Entertainment Corps. It um, begins with a paraphrase of a quote from the Nevi'im, Al Shloshapish starts off talking about how people were taken in their talit from their tefillah straight into war, from the prayers of Yom Kippurim straight into unthinkable battles. Welcome to the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day post-Yom HaKippurim of Tavshin Ayin Dalit. We're here every Monday, immediately following Jame in the AM, 9 a.m., Eastern time, 4 p.m. Israel time. Yes, Israel still has not changed the clock, and Israel had a very hot Yom Kippurim, and um, unlike many uh, of the last decade, a rather long Yom Kippur, meaning the day time fasting was long because of the lack of the change of the clock. So it was the hottest and the longest. In a long time. Um, But thankfully, everybody is over that. And we're on to Sukkot, one of the most beautiful times in Israel, especially in shalim. I'm jealous of all of you who are there or on your way there to celebrate. You can reach us. You can contact us. You can follow us on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash the Israel show at 115 likes. And we just posted the link to the video of uh, the song we just played, and we'll do more along the way as the show continues. Um, so we speak about Yom Kippur going straight from Shul into battle. That's a transition. This is a different transition. Dudu Fisher, in one of the most unusual but very interesting pieces that he's done, off of his album Over the Rainbow, My Ever La Keshet, tells the story about how just a few days before Yom Kippur or Erev Yom Kippur, he got the word from his agent that he would be starring many years ago in the Broadway version of Les Mis, playing the lead role of Jean Valjean, which is rather unusual that an Israeli star would get that role. But beyond that, beyond that, Dudu Fisher said, as, uh, um, one of the conditions in his contract that he would not perform on Shabbat, meaning Friday night and any Saturday matinee, which are very important performances. And yet he was so good and the producers of Les Mis on Broadway, the top of the top wanted him so much that they agreed and they had a stand-in for him, a fill-in during those performances, the Shabbat performances when he would not perform. Call a an amazing, amazing thing. And in this song, he describes how as he was practicing for Kol Nidre as a shliach tzibur before Yom Kippur, he got the call that he was going to be play the lead role and the song started mixing in his head. And the result is this amazing selection which will take us from Yom Kippur and move us into the new uh, year and into the Sukkot season. Here it is, Dudu Fisher Kambo Mi Ani and Kol Nijrei. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thank you so much for tuning to the Israel, listening to the Israel show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
2: New York. kippur, yom kippur וכמה שאני רציתי לעשות את התפקיד הזה. אתם יכולים לתאר לעצמכם מספר שעות לאחר מכן, כשעמדתי מול הרון הקודש הפתוח, ושרתי את תפילת כל נדרי, כשבמוחים מתנגנות להם כל המנגינות מתוך חלובי החיים שכבר הכרתי. אז... they uh-huh. are
1: balleno
2: avvatellale se Amit ne is und laut <laughs> Benischmatina dae lif nei schnin bar mesa Nathan li koach Lamasa
0: Dudu Fisher with uh, the Mi Ani, Who Am I, Paul Great condemnation here on the Israel show. Well, as we mentioned numerous times, as we mentioned numerous times, um, This past Shabbat, Yom Kippur was the 40th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. Um, Two weeks ago in our last installment discussing the Yom Kippur War, we spoke about the lead-up to the Yom Kippur War. Israeli intelligence and leadership were convinced of two things, and these were two concepts that ultimately led to the terrible surprise attack, and the uh, fact that Israel was unprepared for it and lost thousands of young men as a result. The first was that the Arabs would not attack unless they had enough planes to match the Israeli Air Force. And the second was that even if the Arabs decided to start a war, Israel would have at least 48 hours advance warning, during which they would call up the reserves, which is the bulk of the Israeli military. You see the Israeli military, the standing army is rather small. In order to go to war, Israel needs its reserves, which is the bulk of the military to be called up. And that takes approximately 48 hours for everybody to be able to get from where they live to where they need to be. And so they thought they had, they would have 48 hours warning through intelligence. And, um, then. Israel would be able to easily repel the attack, but sadly these assumptions were both wrong. Israel's, the Israeli army chief of staff, his name was David Elazar, and he was known to everyone as Dado, pleaded with Prime Minister Golda Meir and Defense Minister Moshe Dayan that Israel call up reserves a day before Yom Kippur, because there were indications already that there might be a war. Intelligence, took that information and said, no, it was just the military uh, maneuvers that I- Egypt was doing and they had done over the past several months, many, many maneuvers as, as a way of camouflaging their real intentions. But Dado, David Eleazar, Israel's um, chief of staff, wanted Milouin to be called up or at least that Israel launch a preemptive strike. But Moshe Dayan, defense minister, Golda Meir, prime minister, said no. To both. Why is fascinating. They both admit, especially Golda Meir, they were afraid that doing so would give the impression that it is Israel who is starting the war. And that would cost Israel the backing of the United States, because the United States warned Israel, it was President Nixon and Secretary of State Kissinger, warned Israel that they should not be the first to fire. They shouldn't begin a war. Of course, in hindsight, nobody realized what was happening. In hindsight, they both came to regret both decisions. Because at 2 p.m. on Yom Kippur, Egypt in the south and Syria in the north launched a massive simultaneous attack that caught Israel off guard. Later on in the show, we will play some songs from that period and uh we'll also play some clips that were recorded at that time from Israeli radio and we have one or two clips actually recorded on the battlefields and uh are slowly being released over over time in Israel in the meantime we'll get back to uh some new Israeli music this is a very interesting um cover of Idan Raichel's one of his most popular songs, Mima Makim, and it is done by a uh, group called HaRochvim. This was released, uh, I believe, last week, where they take the song Mima Makim, which is a beautiful, quite, quiet um, song, uh, and turn it into a country-western song. It's weird. I think you'll find it interesting, though. Here they are, Haruchvim, with their version of Mima Amakim. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network.
3: Kerati Elaich, <laughs> boy Elaich, Bechuvech, Yachazor, Shuva, Obe, Enaich, Logamu, Lozev, Hamagabe, Yadaich, Shavu, Beahir, Le Mishma, Kotroke, Ode, Eye, Eye. I'm going دايخ بدون ايخ لوخ Ya sima mi tahtaig, mi ke afale raglay, hi hiye. Mi yo haveg od mi kol o havaig, mi mi kol mi ma ama ki.
0: it's brand new it's uh it's interesting it's different i wonder if you like it i don't know I'm uh, I'm not sure myself. Jury is out still. That was Haro uh, chuvim with a country western version of Mima Makim, which is such a smooth and soft and mellow song, and they turned it into a cut. I don't know. But we figured we'd share it with you and hear your opinion. You can uh, interact with us, by the way, via email: mayor m e i r mayor m e i r at nachumseigel dot com. N a c h u m S-E-G-A-L, mayor at nachomsegal.com or via the Facebook page, of course, facebook.com slash the Israel show. We want to welcome new likes, people who have liked Israel show since uh, the last uh, installment. Haida Eitan and Henya and Suzanne. And thank you so much. And we encourage all of you to tell your friends about the Israel show. Have them listen in live or via the website nachamsiegel.com or via the app which is available of course for free both for the iPhone and for the Android and their respective stores do a search for Siegel Network and now with great thanks to all those who have been working on this behind the scenes including the great Mark Zamek and now it is available as a podcast as well and that Uh, I know for sure you can get it from iTunes, just go into iTunes, do a search for The Israel Show podcast, and you can subscribe, get the uh, show downloaded into your MP3 player automatically. We're talking about the Yom Kippur War 40 years ago, this past Saturday it broke out, past Shabbat, Shabbat Yom Kippur, the height of the height of holiness of the Jewish year It was exactly the same in 1973, Shabbat Yom Kippur, as people were in shul at 2pm, the air raid sirens went off in Israel. And a people that had been living in peace and quiet, and living off of the sweet taste of victory of the Six-Day War were suddenly jolted into a new reality. Israel was simply unprepared militarily and psychologically. The Israeli people have changed as a result of the Yom Kippur War. Not because Israel lost the war. In fact, they didn't. At the end, one can argue, you don't even have to argue it. At the end, it was rather clear, very obvious. The facts show that at the end of the day, 18 days later, when the ceasefire was announced, Israel won the war militarily. But the surprise, the feeling that people had that their government had misled them and cannot be trusted, has affected Israel since. In fact, I would say that the Yom Kippur War and that aspect of it is Israel's Vietnam. Till then, till the Yom Kippur War, there was only one party in power all the years, from 48 to 73. The Labor Party had a monopoly on power in Israel. They believed that they were sort of ordained to rule that they were given that they established the state of Israel which they did and therefore that gives them the the right so to speak the god-given right if you will to rule the country there was never even a concept that it would be possible in an election to overthrow the labor government that's how strong their hold was. And the elections that came after the Yom Kippur War, a few months afterwards, the Labor Party still ended up in control of the government. It took another six years. And all the understanding of what happened for the Israeli public to finally say enough And in 1979, to elect Menachem Begin prime minister, which was an earthquake of a political type. And ultimately, that brought to peace with Egypt. But back to Yom Kippur of 1973, the Egyptians had meticulously planned their crossing of the Suez Canal. Which was a major part of the Israeli defense. That was the border, the Suez Canal, and they figured it would be very difficult for Egypt to cross. In fact, here's a recording of Moshe Dayan, way before the war, explaining how there's no way that the Egyptians could cross the Suez Canal. Have a listen. (laughs) Moshe Dayan in typical bravado, it's very, very, well, he said even more than unlikely. It's not possible for the Egyptians to cross the Suez Canal and take the Sinai away from Israel. Well, it was possible. The Egyptian assault force, well, first the Egyptians started 200 Egyptian aircrafts hit Israeli Air Force bases within Israel, hurting the Israeli Air Force. And more than 2,000 artillery pieces were launched against Israel's line of defense along the Suez Canal, which was known as the Bar Lev line, named after Chaim Bar Lev, who at the time of the building of this line was the army chief of staff, and this was his idea. Now, this is a line of Ma'uzim, Ma'oz is a place of strength, Ma'oz, Suri Yeshuati, we call God our rock, our place of strength, our fortification. There were Ma'uzim placed along the Suez Canal on this Barlev line, and they were supposed to protect, as they were raised, overseeing the canal, they were supposed to protect Israel from incursions via the Suez Canal. What happened was, that the Ma'ozim were very, uh, the people left in the Ma'ozim were small in number, most people, it was Yom Kippur, many, many people went home, and there were no reserves called up, and Israel wasn't ready. And suddenly, they're being bombarded from the air, and suddenly, when they look out, they see thousands and thousands of Egyptian soldiers, Tens of thousands approaching over the canal. 32,000 infantry began crossing the Suez Canal from Egypt via these special makeshift bridges that they designed just for this. And five separate crossing areas from 2 in the afternoon till 5.30, a non-stop stream of soldiers. And the Israeli soldiers who were in the Maozim were almost sitting ducks. And their cries for help, as heard over the army communications network, are heart-wrenching. We'll play one of them in a few minutes. No question that Israel wasn't prepared. On the Golan Heights... The Syrian air force shelled and then the tanks came rolling. In both cases, in the Sinai and in the Golan, had the enemy wanted to, they could have cut through into Israel proper. The Egyptian army could have cut through the Sinai desert. That's how unprepared Israel was. And the Syrians could have rolled their tanks into the Galil, posing an existential threat to the state of Israel. And that is exactly the way the Israeli forces and leadership saw it. We'll hear later a clip where Moshe Dayan is quoted and the second day of the war by the head of the air force is in an internal recording that was just released. Moshe Dayan, defense minister, is quoted as saying, this is the destruction of the third temple, meaning the state of Israel is doomed. The bravado that he displayed was gone. He was so dejected that he was demoralizing the rest of the country. Thankfully, the Egyptians and Syrians didn't plan to cross the Sinai or the Golan. They never thought, they never dreamed that Israel would be so unprepared. Egypt planned on fighting fierce Israeli resistance. They were thinking they would be able to advance clear across the Sinai. The same for the Syrians. So they didn't have plans to go on. They just had plans to cross the Suez and get a beachhead or get a certain number of kilometers into the Golan and dig in. A little later on we'll play some of the recordings. Here is uh, from those from the soldiers themselves, but here is Golda Meir, who at some point claimed that Israel was not surprised. Obviously, we all know now that that was not true, and it was one of the many lies that were told to the people. This was again a time when the government felt that they could lie to the people, and people wouldn't know the difference. And the shift in Israeli public and in Israeli psyche after the Yom Kippur War, that they no longer trust their government and are cynical about it. Here's Golda. We weren't surprised, she says. Our forces were prepared against this danger. And that was, at that time, a blatant and out-and-out lie. It's amazing. It's amazing how at the time leaders felt that they could do that, that they could lie straight out to the people. We're going to take a break from the Yom Kippur war and, uh, look ahead to Sukkot. This is a classic. I mean, it's a, it's a kids song written by Naomi Shemer, Shlomit, Bona Sukkot, Shalom. Shlomit, whose name is from Shalom, is building a Sukkot piece. We say every week, of Drawing from that wrote this very beautiful song, which we just have to play here. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. i Shemer's classic "Shlomit Bona Sukkot Shalom" here on the Israel Show. Um, The war, by the way, the Yom Kippur War, continued on through the holiday of Sukkot. Many of you may remember one of the most famous, iconic pictures from the war of a uh, soldier standing on top of a tank. I believe it was in the Golan. Wrapped in a talit, holding the Arba Minim, the Lulav and a Trog, hadas and an arava, and Davening. One of the most um, amazing books written about this period of time, which um, if you can read in the original Hebrew, you should. It's called Ti'um Kavanot. I remember reading it a number of years ago, and it is, um, well, you, you can't help but crying through uh, a good part of it. It was written by Rabbi Chaim Sabato, who at that time was a young Hezder yeshiva student who was in the Tank Corps up in the Golan, left for there right after Yom Kippur. And the book, and I say you should read it in Hebrew because it's written literally poetically. It was translated into English. I'll tell you about the English translation in a minute. But it loses like so much in the translation because a huge part of the beauty of it is the style, the Hebrew style. And Chaim Sabato describes what it was like, the panic, the pandemonium, the craziness, the fear. That was the fighting up in the Golan Heights, where really a handful of Israeli tanks were up against a huge Syrian army. One of the heroes of that time was a man by the name of Avigdor Kahalani, who led one of the most famous battles in holding back the Syrians. They were outnumbered 10 tanks to 1. 10 to 1. Literally a handful of tanks. In a place called Emek HaBacha. It is now called Emek HaBacha, the Valley of Tears. In the Golan. If you go to Israel and you visit the Golan, you can see this place, Emek HaBacha, and understand what happened there. And the miracle, through Avigdor Kahalani, holding back, the Syrian army, from literally rolling into the Galil. There's also a film there called Oz-77, Oz-77, which is also the name of the book that Kahalani wrote. That was the name of his brigade, I believe. Back to Chaim Sabato, he was up in the Golan, a young Hesder student, and part of this book, Ti Um Kavanot, describes Sukkot in war, Sukkot in a tank. It's amazing. It was published in English. It is available on any, any book, uh, book, um, website, Amazon, of course, and others. In English, it's called Adjusting Sites, S-I-G-H-T-S by Chaim Sabato. Now, Chaim Sabato, it's S-A-B-A-T-O, Chaim Sabato went on to become and is currently the Rosh Yeshiva, the founding Rosh Yeshiva of the Hezder Yeshiva in Ma'ale Adumim. He's written many books, many novels. He's an amazing writer, but there's no doubt that this was the pinnacle of his, this is the pinnacle of his writing career so far, Tium Kavanot, adjusting sites. And it's the experiences of a young Yeshivat Hezder student up in the Golan. We're going to, play a few more clips from the yom kippur war this is israel radio news 3 p.m on yom kippur now usually israel radio television do not broadcast on yom kippur but of course one hour after the fighting after the attack begins israeli radio is informing the public as to what's going on and by the way making it sound like no problem our forces are just um fighting back and holding back the onslaught of the Egyptians and the Syrians. Here it is, the familiar beeps at the beginning of
3: 3 p.m., Shabbat, Yom Kippur, 40 years ago. <laughs>
0: It's amazing. Our forces are fighting against the attackers. No hint of any difficulties. No hint of any problems. But what you'll hear now is what happened. This is the voice. It's a short clip, but you will hear the voice of somebody... Who perished? Is no longer with us. His name was Max Maman, and he was in one of the Mutsavin, one of these fortifications. Each one of them had a code name, and this one was called Chizayon. And he is screaming over the army communications network that he needs reinforcements. He sees the Egyptian army attacking. And he is sure that the Israeli army is not far behind, that they'll come and rescue him, that he won't be a sitting duck in his fortification, his fort, in his ma'oz. And the people on the other side, and I don't know if this is something that you need to do in war or not, but the people on the other side lie to him and they say, yes, reinforcements are coming very soon, hold on knowing full well that there were no reinforcements coming, knowing full well that the Air Force wouldn't be bombing. What you're going to hear is Max Maman, who later was killed in this very place, saying, The bullets are flying right over my head. When he was told that within the hour reinforcements will come, he says, It can't be in another hour. Tishlehu miyad miyad tigboret avar. Avar is over, over now. Send reinforcements immediately. Acheret anunipol. Otherwise we are going to fall. We're going to be overrun. Mukafim mikol ever. We are surrounded from all the sides. Gamduf mikivun hashar. And they're already banging from the area of the gate. Here's the voice of the late Max Maman who really symbolizes the panic and the cries of the Israeli soldiers as the Egyptians were making their way across the Suez. Now you can't really hear the voice of the person who was answering him. But he basically said to him, yes, they're on their way. What happens later is Max Maman screams for more help. Nothing comes. The Egyptians enter the Mutsav. They throw in a firebomb. It begins burning. And you hear Max Maman. Screaming, although this was not released. Screaming, nisraf, I am burning. And he says, I am going to die. Banu. You were bogdim. You were traitors. God will repay you for your treason. And then he was never heard for from again. up in the Golan, the situation was very difficult as well. And the Israeli government needed to decide, and the military more so, needed to decide where the Air Force should be attacking. Because the Golan is much smaller than the Sinai, and much closer to the Galil. The Israeli Army decided that they would use the Air Force up north. They couldn't do both. That was something they realized. They couldn't use the Air Force both south and north. And in the south, the Egyptians had shoulder missiles, which could shoot down many of the planes. And so they had to make this decision. And what you're going to hear now is the commander, then commander of the Israeli Air Force, Benny Peled, talking to his troops. Now he says, and Moshe Dayan, the Secretary of Defense, Minister of Defense, basically said to him, the land of Israel is in danger. You need to save us. And then Benny Peled tells the people in the room, close the door. And he says, according, according to Moshe Dayan, who just returned from there, According to what he thinks, we are facing the destruction of the state of Israel. And even if Arik Sharon and Goradish, who was the commander of the southern area, if they will go to a counterattack tonight, which was the second or third day of the war, and God forbid they will not be successful, There's nothing in between the Suez Canal, where the Egyptians are, and Tel Aviv, that can stop them. And I can't accept that. Here he is. Here's the recording. Hopefully you can make it out. It's a little scratchy, but it it was recorded live on the second day of the Yom Kippur War.
3: And in And in
0: fact, uh Israel did try to attack in the south and was unsuccessful, but thankfully the Egyptian army did not continue on to Tel Aviv. And rather quickly, the Israelis were able to get back to themselves in the north. It took a while, but it was relatively quickly. They were able to get back to themselves in the north and ultimately defeat the Syrians. At the war's end, 18 days later, over 2,000 Close to 3,000, actually, Israelis were killed. A huge toll. Israel's psyche had changed forever. But militarily, the Israeli army sat on the road to Damascus, Syria's capital, not far from there. And the Israeli army succeeded in crossing the Suez Canal advancing towards Cairo, and actually surrounding and cutting off the Egyptian army in the Sinai to the extent that Israel had to allow the supplies of food and medical aid to get to them. Amazing, the people who were about to kill them, not three weeks before, were now Surrounded by the Israeli army. It was a miraculous turn of events. But if you ask any Israeli who was around at the time, who won the Yom Kippur War? They'll tell you. They'll tell you that they lost. Well, we played last last week, we played Lu Yehi, which was Nomi Shemer's classic. Probably one of the most uh, one of the songs that's most associated with that war, but there's another one Yehoram Gaon's classic Hamil HaAchrona. and we're going to end off this show with that. I often thought about it. The words of the song are I promise you, my little child, my little girl Shizoti that this will be the last war. How does one promise that? I'm not sure, especially especially in a place like Israel in the Middle East, surrounded by enemies, today even greater peril than before. When Yoram Gaon was asked about it, he said, It's not a promise, it's a prayer, it's a hope. And I guess that's how we'll have to take it. And we'll end off with Yaham Gahon with the classic Hamil Khamaha Ahuna. Now, before we thank you all so much for tuning in, for listening, thank you for all your Facebook likes and your comments, wishing you all a Chag Sameach, Chag Sukkot Sameach, we'll see, Uh, we'll either be here live on Cholamoid, or maybe we'll have something recorded, and then we'll be back with you the week after that, with a uh, brand new Israel show, including a new Meir Milim, God willing, and maybe a few more addendums to our discussion of the Yom Kippur War. Thanks so much to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Stay tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network for a great Music Monday Yuntav mix. Until next Monday, following Jamie Dam, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.
2: ni ma ti اظرو ود كل حق اش وها شخيكوت بشم ايام so Soem, Venice, Ravu Beish, Tel Aviv, Esh Nun Mem, Beshem Hatzan Hanim, She'bein Oferet Ve'Asham, Ra'u Ota'ch momal Ach Me'al Rosham, Ani Marti Achlah,
1: Yalda Shelikta La.
2: شرب الرسك حب بشم ولان كرال ايلوب بشم كل حق